So welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats. I'm Marcy Bullock here with the Career Ambassadors for our live interview this afternoon. And I'm super excited because I get to pass the blue snowball mic to one of my favorite <laughs> students, Lexi Bynum. She is graduating in May and she has worked with us tirelessly to help other students. Has a job offer at, remind me? Boeing. At Boeing, where she did her internship, am I right? Yeah. So she's super excited about transitioning to the workforce. And we always talk about our Gallup strengths. So Lexi, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are analytical. Is that right? No. Oh, I'm on the wrong. Oh, futuristic, okay. developer, restorative, relator, and input. But mm -hmm. I know why I said analytical, because you are an analytical, solutions-driven young woman, <laughs> which is what she has on her LinkedIn headliner. And she is an expert on statistics and ag business and Spanish. She does it all. And we're so excited to have you um, kind of introducing Dr. Debbie Acker today and asking some questions who is our special guest and one of my favorite things about Debbie I've known her for years she's a dear friend is um, she wrote I connect meaning to everything I do and meaning is part of what we talk about in the career ambassador program all the time with our magic theme so um, Lexi why don't you take it away and um, we get the opportunity to meet you and Debbie <laughs> All right, hi, Dr. Debbie Acker. Um, I just kind of want to get started, you know, learning a little bit more about you. Um, I know in our chat you talked about kind of life as a journey, mm -hmm. and um, if you could just tell us a little bit about your journey, about yourself, and um, yeah, we'll just get started that way. Excellent. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here today, and I'm looking forward to just sharing a little bit about myself, and hopefully you're able to get some, some glean of <laughs> um, leadership and um, what I always like to talk about is process, as some of my students know. So with journey, it is a process. And so my journey started back please about. And um, I really wanted to, um, I, I grew up in Virginia, um, Mechanicsville, Virginia. We're not known for mechanics. We're known for tomatoes, if you want to know. <laughs> um, but I really wanted to go into undergrad looking at psychology and then got into school counseling for my master's up in Syracuse University and um, actually then ended up being in higher education, um, which kind of you use counseling every day. So um, with that, I really loved working with youth as well as college students and um, had some great opportunities in the western part of this state at um, NC um, North Carolina um, State Arts um, School in Winston-Salem and got to work with the high school program there and the college and then I realized that if I wanted to help create change in higher ed, I needed to get a terminal degree. And so my terminal degree is from NC State University, which brought me here um, in 2000 and 2001 and finished my doctorate in higher education administration in 2003. And I've been here ever since. So um, I would say in the journey, it's really about how you network mm -hmm. and how you meet people. Um, I probably, I definitely wouldn't be here today without um, those two things. And um, because of the relationships I built, I had the opportunity to start working with the General Hugh Shelton Leadership Center here at NC State in 2003, and I've been with the program ever since. Okay. Um, and were there any like obstacles along that journey that kind of turned you into the leader that you are today at the Hugh Shelton Center? Um, you mean throughout my whole journey? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, 
Absolutely. I, I mean, when I was doing school counseling, one of the reasons I wanted to get into it was because my one of my high school counselors was fabulous and really encouraged me as my parents were moving to Florida and didn't know if I should move with them for my senior year or stay in Virginia and really helped me through that process and I decided to stay um, and kind of started my college career without my parents in my high school year but um, so I, I had that and then I also had a counselor who didn't think I could go to college and get a degree and so I always like to say they would never imagine that I had a terminal degree today so I, I think um, I really wanted to give back to high school students and so that obstacle really motivated me to want to do school counseling um, and I just think your personal experiences um, always contribute to those types of things. Um, so in your experience um, in overcoming obstacles like that, um, what kind of um, advice do you have for students who are facing similar things, you know, or people who are doubting them or people who are, you know, not necessarily helping them along their journey and overcoming that and kind of driving that into mm -hmm. um, their future? Well, I would say, I mean, first, it's self-awareness. I mean, I think you really need to know self. Um, and who you are and your values because um, those things can help you persevere through those mm -hmm. obstacles and challenges in life and um, because a lot of people are going to doubt you and try to um, misguide you and I think that you have to be really grounded in that and, and find those individuals who are going to help move you along in that process. Um, I think you have to be your own advocate a lot of times um, you can be fortunate and have a lot of people around you but I think um, whether it's with health whether it's with um, um, goals that you want to set for yourself I think knowing yourself and, and identifying what you're most passionate about um, and just really believing in that I think can can push you through those obstacles yeah. um, and were there any resources or people that you leaned on to try to really help drill into who what your values are yeah, I mean, I was really fortunate. I mean, my mom was probably a, a big steadfast for me um, and just um, who she was as a person and her character and, and going through her own obstacles. Her father had um, was killed in World War One, and so she was 13 years old and um, just really helped work through, you know, her own family situations at such a young age. And so I think, um, and she just, you know, plugged through and, you know, to her undergraduate and master's and um, education and she uh, never doubted me right and so she would always challenge me and allow me to like she allowed me way back when you didn't always get to use your left hand for writing um, when I was growing up and she just allowed me to be who I was and just really encouraged that and I think that's really instilled with me how I work with others is like trying to um, meet people where they're at, come to understand what they're most passionate about, where their strengths are at, and really encouraging them along that, along that way. Have you ever done Strengths Finder to learn about I yourself? Have. Because that's one thing we've talked a lot about in class, and I was mentioning some of Lexi's strengths. Yes. How is that tied into what you do today in terms of um, building on knowing yourself and being able to apply that in the work world? Uh, it's, very it's very significant. Um, so my strengths are responsibility, belief, um, analytical, um, strategic, and learner. So everything I do has a purpose and it has 
very much to who I am with my values. Um, and, and I think it does help in, in working with my staff, um, my direct reports of seven now, that um, we can use that common language. And so when I'm really trying to do something, um, a lot of times, it's, you know, if you understand strengths, you know, one of the quadrants is um, relationships. And so, like, none of mine are in relationships. But if you look at strategic and you look at um, uh, responsibility, everything I'm doing has a great purpose. And so it's through those relationships that I'm trying to do things strategically. So I think it helps them understand, oh, it's not like she doesn't care right she does care about those relationships but it's very intentional and i think understanding what what those strengths are and helping your team members understand what those strengths are can really help you move forward in a positive way it's kind of like all about what motivates the people mm -hmm. around you and i know we spend so much time at work more waking hours mm -hmm. than we do with our loved ones. Mm -hmm. And so as a leader in your job, um, I think our students are really interested in that word leadership and what that mm -hmm. means to you and how you connect to others in a way that motivates them. Sure, I mean, I think it is uh, understanding that common ground and purpose and um, again, meeting them where they're at. And I think um, where they're at and what they're passionate about then you're, you as a leader are able to um, move them along in their own journey and also hopefully towards your, your common goal. Um, but I think creating, as a leader, I think it's important to create that diverse team and using those strengths um, to move everything forward. You, you don't want everybody who's gonna be analytical. You don't, you know, you don't, you need to identify what are those different things that people can bring to the table that you are, that can be a, a a much more richer um, environment to move forward and I um, and I would say with leadership um, I always say you know if you look behind you and no one's following you right then then you're not a leader um, but I think it's really allowing people to um, be empowered and feel valued in that process of voice and making those decisions is critical um, in order for people to continue to follow you and want to to move along with whatever you're trying to do. And when you are, um, and a, like for a lot of students, I know we're going into the workforce, we're graduating, we're being under new leadership. Um, so what happens when you are under a leader who looks behind him and no one's really there following behind him? How do you handle that as a employee and still maintaining your values, but also being respectful of you know the way uh, leadership is happening? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the most critical reasons why you should know your values, mm -hmm. right? And, and know what you're um, willing to accept and, and what that boundary is that you're not. Because um, I think, um, I always encourage in my classes to research your organizations because mm -hmm. if they aren't aligning with who you are and what you believe in, then it's not gonna be a happy place, whatever the amount of money that you receive in that job. And um, so, I mean, I think encouraging students one to research and know those situations so hopefully you're not but if you get a supervisor who um, doesn't really meet that need I think it's one identifying people that maybe you can trust um, to have those conversations with but then knowing who you are and trying to have those those hard conversations um, I know for myself I've had at a younger age I had to confront what I didn't think was ethical um, 
and I knew by doing that I might lose my job um, but actually I feel like that leader that supervisor actually even though it was an uncomfortable situation actually respected me um, in the long run um, and then too I guess on kind of the flip side of that um, how do we as students make sure that we're establishing ourselves and as leaders in these new workforces and you know making sure that we're demonstrating our skills in that way that's a great question. I mean, I think one of the um, things and just the, like, we have some employees that are just, you know, recently graduated and things like that. And I think one of those things is just being open to new possibilities, right? It's, it may not be on your job description. So don't say, oh, it's not on my job description. I'm not going to do that, right? Be open to as many opportunities. And if you see um, other groups doing something, have those conversations with them, have those conversations with your supervisor. Oh, I'm very interested in that. Is there any way that, you know, in a small scale that I could have, you know, greater understanding of that and, and developing those conversations so that it's getting you to those um, potential opportunities. But I would say um, we've just recently had conversations with some of our employees of like, if you, if you want promotion, you, you need to be doing more than what's on your current job description. Mm -hmm. Like usually a promotion doesn't you know like occur and then you get more responsibility, right? You usually get the responsibility and then you get the promotion that meets meets that. And so just really be open to um, taking on more responsibilities uh, than you may have originally thought or be uh, adaptable to if they see a different strength in you mm -hmm. that maybe wasn't on that job description to go in that direction if, if that's something that you're really interested in. So to not be um, fixated on what that original job was supposed to be but be adaptable because I know that's what employers are looking for is adaptability and obviously that teamwork concept mm -hmm. of not being so um, into what you think you're going to be doing but being open to whatever comes next because we are very complex these days. And it kind of ties into the transition you're going to be making this summer because I know you've interned already and now it's I'm official, I have my bachelor's degree, I'm starting as an adult in the real world. And are there any other concerns that you have about that transition that um, that maybe could be addressed with Dr. Acker's expertise? Um, I'm definitely like curious that you talk about everything you do has some meaning behind it. Um, and I just kind of struggle often like making sure that the work I'm doing has meaning behind it outside of, you know, building someone's bottom line, you know, like mm -hmm. that's um, something I really struggle with and finding my purpose in the workforce or maybe not in the workforce, you know, just really finding my purpose. So any advice you have about that? Well, I mean, I think it's, I, I kind of look at every situation, try to look at how can this can relate to me? Like, is there a small piece of one, like, Everything I do in my job, I do not like, okay. right? <laughs> so that's never going to happen. And there are going to be responsibilities that you is like the last thing. And so usually what I did was like the things I hated worse, I do first so that I can move on to the things I enjoy. But I think it's also um, in those tasks, looking at your strengths, what are those pieces and really focusing on those things versus I think it's about attitude, right? And I think it's okay, what can I get out of this that can connect with what I, what is meaningful to me? Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And in that, I guess something like that would require a lot of reflection. Are there any specific things or times or ways that you structure so that, you know, you are having that time to reflect on your experiences? I feel like I'm doing that constantly. <laughs> and if you're in my class, you probably know that. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think it is 
pulling yourself away, whether it's taking a walk, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, especially if you're in the, the midst of something um, really heavy, is one to write something down, let it sit, simmer for a while before you submit, right? Um, or commit, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, really put it out there and allow yourself to marinate on, on what you are considering. Um, especially those hard decisions or difficult decisions, I think writing is very good. Um, I mean, I think a lot in my head, but actually writing something actually helps you connect. It's something very neurologically that helps you connect things in your brain to um, make you think on actually your right and your left brain because you're using motion. And I think um, just doing that can help you process even greater because you're, it will give you a longer time of thinking about something um, than the moment. Okay. I was curious about when you mentioned this confrontation that you had to have on an ethical issue because I think as a young professional there's a lot of challenges mm-hmm. um, surrounding speaking up for what you mm-hmm. believe is right and I wonder if you could share a little bit about that story. Well, I've had so many in my careers but um, I would say um, in the the younger pieces of it, it was it was more of, and I think it goes with my strength of responsibility and belief um, that be, when I make a commitment to somebody, I make a commitment to somebody, and so um, a lot of my work has to do with contracts, and so I had made a contract with a speaker who we'd given thousands of dollars to, and said we would not you know, give out their speech because they basically do this for their living. And um, my supervisor at that time wanted to just give it out because it was a donor prospect. And so he had another intention, but when I knew that, because he was asking me for it, I just, because of that relationship with that other individual and what I had signed, what I had, you know, said verbally, I just said, I don't feel comfortable giving that. And I'm okay if, you know, if that means that I don't have a job, right? Um, And there was another situation where I had um, a split position, and I just really could not work in that other environment. Like, it had really degraded me um, personally. Like, I, I, you know, I'd gotten my doctorate. I had gotten all these things, and that one environment was really making me feel like I was nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if... If I can only have 50% of a job, I would rather have 50% of a job than to live my life um, where I don't have a self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, I mean, those were two big things for me because I had, I had I valued that relationship, but I also knew I had my limits of what I could do personally. Um, and, and so, I think it's more of you got to trust yourself and, and when you have that um, red hat feeling of emotion of that gut reaction um, you got to go with your gut mm-hmm. I, I mean I think I think intuitively we know what is right and what is wrong for ourselves and you've, you've got to trust that everything's going to be okay and I know that's easier said than done but I think you just really have to are you going to be able to live with yourself and is it doing anything harmful to you as a person or your body or your integrity, right? Because your integrity can be lost in 
30 seconds. And, um, and so if you're building your credibility, you don't want to lose it in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And so um, just really those two things kind of go hand in hand. That sounds like a struggle. Yeah. And took a lot of courage, too, and a risk for you because you didn't want to be in a soul-destroying kind of atmosphere mm -hmm. because every day matters. And I know we're at different generations than, than Lexi is, but is there anything that you would impart to the, the students that are kind of in that trying 20s decade where they're testing the waters out a lot and it can feel very trying? Yes. Uh, I mean, I hope I, hope I can. Um, I mean, I think it is one of those things um, that, you know, you probably hear a lot of people say real world is not your school world and um, which can be very annoying to you, I'm sure. Um, and I think it's just, again, um, one, don't give up by challenging the process um, or what you're hearing from people who are in authority over you. I think I appreciate that. I mean, I can be frustrated by that as a supervisor, but I also appreciate that. Um, and I think um, there's a lot of new ways of thinking about things that your generation can bring to the table. Um, and I think you just, you just gotta trust yourself and, and still say, no, this is, you know, this is what it is. But I think it's also, um, I always talk about trust and you can't really have those conversations until you have developed that trust. And so I think it's really that informalness um, as much as your supervisor or your colleagues are uh, willing to understand the informalness, the personal side of somebody, the greater you're going to have that opportunity to take that risk of sharing what you really mean. And so, I mean, I think um, I would ask, I mean, that's a question I would ask if, if you're going for interviews is, what is your usual relationship as a supervisor employee? Mm -hmm. You know, that's another question you need to ask of what, because that will create your environment um, or expectation. And, and going in with those questions, I think if I know someone's coming in, then I'm going, okay, they, they care about the relationship. And if they're going to care about the relationship, hopefully um, they're going to care that I'm probably transparent more than they're used to and I have to continue to remind them that no if, if I say something because of my responsibility then I say you know I mean it but I think you need to ask those questions um, ahead of time um, and not get into it you know like because you just need the job yeah. right um, that relationship is gonna take you places or not take you places and, and understanding what they expect of personableness, the informalness versus the formal um, can really help shape how you feel um, comfortable in taking risk of challenging the process in a positive way. Um, I don't like to be the, you know, negative Nancy, but I mean like just, hey, how, let's think creatively about this and, and ask those questions of, do you want just a, a yes man, no man or do you want someone who's really gonna think, want to think outside the box? And I think it's really going in, asking a lot of questions um, up front before you get into a commitment, right? Okay. And so, I mean, I think you can take that in a lot of different directions of your personal life as well as you know other things. Is 
a lot, we don't take time to ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And so for yourselves, as undergraduates, ask a lot of questions and don't hesitate to ask in the beginning, even in the interview. Especially for yourself, as you're going into your, I mean, I think it's it's important to ask your supervisor all these things because they're the ones who are going to help make or break yeah. your experience. Yeah. And that's the number one reason people leave a job is their relationship mm -hmm. with their supervisor. It's not the money, but that's the primary person that you're interacting with. And are they encouraging you? And are they pushing you? And are you growing and learning? Mm -hmm. So. I think that's really wonderful advice. And speaking of asking questions, we are definitely open to anyone in the room that would like to ask. Um, and I'm going to see if we have any hands and jump in with what is one book you think that mm. we should all read? That's a big one. I know there's lots of different things out there that are important for students to know. If you had to pick one. I'm not good with remembering titles. That's <laughs> one thing I'm bad about. Um, Let me think about it. You can ponder that Thank one. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Will. How would you describe your leadership style? So your leadership style? I would say, uh, hopefully, right? We, we think <laughs> in ourselves like, that we are, but maybe my people that are under me should be ask, answering this question. Um, I, I try to be collaborative. Um, the research that I have done is all around how do you make group work meaningful so I hope that I build my team the same way um, and making sure that I that my staff or anybody working with me feels valued in that process so allowing for that space of voice and agree to disagree I mean I think you have to really build that out so again um, I'd really try to empower and delegate um, in a way that depending on where they're at in the process so again you kind of go through the whole styles of leadership you go through all all of them when they first come in um, but I think my ultimate goal is to be empowering um, and to encourage them to to move forward what is your favorite memory You've been here 15 years or so? 15 years. So yeah. you've seen a lot of changes, I'm sure. In yeah, and lots of chancellors. And yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. Gosh, my favorite memory. Um, there's so many. I'm trying to think. Well, I'll tell you my favorite usual time of year. Okay, uh, when I first came into the position, I oversaw a in, in the Shelton Center a youth leadership program called the Shelton Challenge, and that is probably the most inspiring program um, working with high school students. And it's really a grassroots where um, I call it organized chaos because there's structure behind it but everybody participating you kind of just have to trust the process if you've done leadership they talk about trust the process this is another component of that but to see students on day one and then see them on day seven in that transformational um, height um, of learning um, 
that that was like huge passion for me and I still today will at least do one week even though I'm not overseeing it um, just because it, it grounds me of because we work with high school students college students and professionals in that program and it's really an intergenerational model of learning from each other so if I when I did four weeks every week was different because when you have a one person in a team that's different you have a new team and you have a new experience and and that's what I mean honestly as developing myself as a leader of adaptability and, and learning and growing and um, being able to see that um, how a 70 year old can work with a 16 year old and that is enriching to me and I think that's you know that learner side of me um, I think every year it still motivates me so and I've always told my staff that oversee it and like I hate to tell you but I'm taking one of your weeks um, so mm -hmm. um, so what would be the biggest piece of advice um, you would give yourself if you were if you put yourself back to our age and up to this point in our life mm. biggest piece of advice to your 21 year old self graduating or just being in college mm. um, I guess I guess just trying to figure out what you're going to do um, taking on as many opportunities as possible. I mean, I think um, to not limit yourself, right, and take risk. Uh, um, I think understanding, like, in all those different experiences of diversity and, um, and not just talking about diversity of appearance or ethnicity or anything like that, but getting yourself outside of your comfort zone is going to really channel you and you're going to, you know, might even find what you're even more passionate about um, today i mean i think uh, one of the things that we're getting ready to launch in 2020 is a global leadership minor that will take students for a whole semester abroad in three different countries and they'll have a minor at the end of it um, so and it will be all in europe so for me it's more of trying to make those opportunities of learning uh, global mindset capacity um, because our world is not getting smaller it's only getting larger and i think you can't understand it without immersing yourself in those different types of environments all right well that is a great way for us to wrap up dr acker you left us with some wonderful ideas about taking risks and about taking on extra things in the job that may not be in our job description asking lots of questions and also the reality that you're not going to love everything about <laughs> it sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves and prove yourself mm -hmm. so let's give it up for first of all our guest speaker, Dr. Debbie Acker, and our special guest interviewer, Lexi Bynum.